Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. It's also National Championship Celebration Parade Shindig at Duty Noble Field Day. How wonderful is that? This happened to, to fall on Friday. It's uh, it's wonderful, man. It really is. Two weeks ago today, I was on the way to Omaha, Nebraska, hoping to see something historic. I've said for months that I really felt this team had a chance to win the national championship. A lot of it was going to depend upon matchups because there was no dominant team in college baseball. We just needed to make it to Omaha. We'll see how things go. Well, they went really well for the Bulldogs, to say the least. There's a lot to unpack, man. It's just, I like many of you, and it's one of the reasons I'm a little later recording the show today. You know, ordinarily I would do it, you know, the night before, so you guys have all day to listen. But, um, you know, I got home, I guess, a little bit after 2 o'clock in the morning and uh, got some rest, got up and had some radio stuff to do. And, and uh, I, I try not to, to text and drive. There, I guess there are a few people that are text and drive worthy, but not many. But uh, especially at night, I just don't really do it. I'll stop at a truck stop or something and get some coffee and, Sometimes I'll get caught up, but because of the the rush of social media responses here in the last couple of days, I just haven't been able to get caught up. And so I spent the morning kind of getting caught up. So if you have sent me a message, I believe I've responded to it. So if you don't have a message from me, a response, I apologize. There have just been so many. And a lot of it's just, we're just not ready for the party to end. You know, that we've been waiting for this our whole lives. And now here we are had an opportunity to speak to uh, several of you after we win the national championship, and that feels so fun to say. We, we celebrated at the Blatt and lefties and other places, and, you know, we just kind of partied right around the street. But I had a chance to speak to some young Bulldog fans, a few of them, after the ball game, And I, and I you know, took my picture and everything else, and I was like, hey, listen, I'm going to make sure you guys understand this. You're not going to have the life that I've had when it comes to Mississippi State baseball. You're not. Because my life prior to this week has been filled with near misses. And as much as we didn't want to admit it, maybe publicly, in the back of our minds, we all wondered if we would ever win it. We hoped to win it one day. but We didn't know if we ever would. And it was kind of that little albatross thing. You know, it's like we're just... We're sitting there and it's, hey, we're so committed to baseball and we do this and we turn out record numbers and we're so excited about life and we're excited about our team and we always hope this is the year. Well, this was the year. But there are going to be other years to come. We're not done winning championships. It's not Mississippi State's championship. It's our first championship. And so you young people of today, you're going to be able to enjoy something with greater regularity than the previous generation. And that's my promise to you. That's exactly what's going to happen. I remember in 2019, I sat in that post game and you know, Jake Mangum was leaving and, it, and we were all gutted. You know, Jake, a great ambassador for Mississippi State, and he sat there and he took his time and he looked at Chris Lamontis and he said, you're going to bring Mississippi State's first national championship. You're going to do it. Jake believed it, and I think it helped. Maybe it helped all of us believe it a little bit more, too, because we hold Jake in such high esteem, the fact that he thought so much of Chris Lamonis. I think in many ways kind of verified our hopes and aspirations for Chris. 
I've shared with you guys on this show multiple times what a great man Chris Lamonis is. He is a great baseball coach, but he is a better man. Now, that again, is a cliche, but I have been around Chris so many times. And as a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, I had a chance to uh, to eat tacos with him there at uh, Texas A&M. We got rained out for a ball game, and I go to the little all-night taco place off campus and get my table and I get my number and go sit down. And the next thing I know, there's a tap on the shoulder, and it's Chris Simonos. He goes, hey, I got a table. Come sit with me. We sat and visited for a couple of hours, and of course, he had a lot of questions about tattoos and hair care tips and that sort of stuff. But I was so impressed with Chris as a person, just being able to kind of interact and get to know his story and know about his family. And you all have seen a video of him uh, having his dad surprise him at the airport and how special that was and that picture of the two of them with the trophy and his dad in tears and Chris kissing him on his head. And, you know, his dad's been ill the last few years, and it's been, it's been especially difficult this year. But Chris is uh, one of those people, like, if he wasn't our coach, I'd still want him to be my friend. And there's not a lot of people I really feel that way about. I mean, there, you have a lot of acquaintances in life. You know what I'm saying? It's like there are a lot of people you know and you speak and you're friendly, but, but you don't really know each other. But Chris Simonis is somebody that I would pick to be a friend with because he cares about people. And it's not just about himself. It's never you know his way or the highway. Yeah, he's the coach, and sometimes he's got to make some difficult decisions, just like he did with the postseason roster. I mean, you put a bunch of kids on a plane, and then – you got to let them know, I think four of them know that they're not going to be able to participate. That's difficult. It's everybody's dream to play at the College World Series. I don't envy Chris when he has to make those decisions. But he made the best decisions for Mississippi State. And sometimes that's not the best for an individual. What's best for the program is not always best for each individual player. It's what's best for the team. But there are some young people that are obviously you know very deserving and they put a lot of work and time into this and – they don't get to participate, and Chris is the one who's got to make that call. That's why you pay him the big bucks. And speaking of big bucks, you know as well as I do, he's about to sign a very lengthy extension, very lucrative extension on top of that. You know, we've gotten Chris Lamontis at a bargain, and we're going to have to up to Annie. And it's well worth it. <laughs> it's like you begin to think about we have a national championship coach now, first time in our history. Had a chance to speak to Dan McDonald just kind of by chance on Tuesday evening. I was visiting with John Cohen and Chris Burke and Dan McDonald and Dan's lovely wife walk up and he made a comment that I remember he kind of looked at John with this sly grin on his face and he goes, I told you, I told you he was going to be a superstar. He wasn't one yet, but he was going to be. And he is. He is a superstar. And I laugh and joke about, you know, the, the talk of the, the tournament early on was about LSU. You know, she was going to go out and they, they'd flown a plane up there and they were going to hire an Omaha coach. And some poorly sourced LSU people said, uh, Chris Lamonis. There was never anything into that. And no slight to Jay Johnson, but maybe there should have been. You know, if you're LSU, maybe you should look at Chris Lamonis. But I said on the jeanspage.com message boards, you know, LSU might be able to take a basketball coach from us. They might be able to take a football coach from us, but they're not going to take a baseball coach from us. And I hold that LSU program in such high esteem because, quite frankly, I want to be LSU. I want to have that big intimidator sign out of right field. Matter of fact, I stopped to get gas yesterday, and uh, I guess four times. You know, you know how it is. Sometimes when it's long trips, you just got to get out and stretch your legs a little bit and you know, get a cold drink or whatever, get a cup of coffee and get some gas, top off the tank, get something to eat. You know how it is. 
In three of those four stops, I had to visit with fans because everybody is so excited about what we've got going on. And Houston Everett was there, and Houston made a comment. He goes, you know, Steve, he said, we want to be like LSU and have that intimidator out in right field, and he is exactly right. We want to stack these things up. I'm not saying we're about to build a dynasty by any stretch, but we're about to see a new level of recruiting we haven't seen before. And Chris Lamonis himself is a very, very skilled recruiter. Fox Hall, great evaluator, talent, Jake, an incredible recruiter as well. We've got a great recruiting staff. We've got a guy, a staff full of men that understand what life is about. And so they're not just, you know, developing these young men for baseball. They're developing them for life. There have been some guys that have hit the transfer portal in the last couple of days, and that's part of the deal too. You only get a short time in life to play sports. When you're young, you think it's going to last forever. But at some point, we all get cut. At some point, we get to the bottom of the depth chart. And you got to make a decision. You got a couple guys out there like, uh, you know, Josh Hatcher, uh, Brandon Pimentel, that can be grad transfers. And listen, they got to go somewhere they can play. Neither one of those guys is, uh, you know, a real draft prospect this year. But they've got to get on the field somewhere. So I don't fault them. It's not anybody's fault. It's not that Crystal Monis and those guys, uh, you know, mistreated those guys. All those guys, uh, you know, had a great experience here. But you got to get on the field somewhere. If you want to have any hope of playing pro baseball, getting even if it's an undrafted free agent situation, you, you know, you got to get on the field and show them what you can do. So I don't fault those guys. I just don't. Dylan Carmouche is in the portal. Xavier Lovett's in the portal. Eric Sarantola's in the portal. I think Sarantola's going to get drafted, so it won't matter either way. But we thank those young men for their contributions to Mississippi State baseball. Appreciate everything they've done for us. And glad that they were part of our greatest team. Not our most talented team, but our greatest team. It accomplished the most of anybody to ever wear that insignia that says M over S. One of my favorite moments of the postgame, and, and, and I've done my best to watch it all, I, I, and I could watch it all day. I'm like all you guys. I, I got work to do, but I'd rather just sit around on my phone and look at, um, you know, look at videos, your videos of the dog pile and pictures of you and your family and all your stories and comments. I'd love to be able to sit, to sit down and read all that stuff and just soak it all in. But one of my favorite moments is when they handed the national championship trophy to Rafael Palmero, and he hoisted it skyward. And then they began to interview him. And I don't even think, I don't even think Rafi cared what the questions were. He just, he didn't even really answer them. He says, I just got to hold the national championship trophy. Let that sink in for a second. That's one of those things that has stayed with Rafael Palmero his whole adult life. Because he got right there to the threshold of a championship and couldn't finish the deal. Rafi became kind of, you know, reconnected with the Mississippi State family when we renovated Duty Noble Field and we put those statues out front. Rafi came back, and I'll share with you guys a quick aside. Everett Kennard came into the press box the day after the first day of the season. We unveiled that great facility. And he goes, hey, I just want to share with you guys, Rafi wanted to thank the media for making it such a great day and just limiting their questions to about Mississippi State. And I turned to Everett and I said, you know, Everett, I, I think I speak for everybody here and say we would never defile the day, this important day in our college baseball history, this important day for Mississippi State, by dragging up things about one of the greatest players to ever wear our uniform that aren't relevant to the day's events. 
Rafi is our guy. His name is on our practice facility. He is given generously to Mississippi State. And all of a sudden, I think Rafi kind of got over that anxiety of like, you know what? Mississippi State is home. Later that year, I saw him, I think, about a half dozen times. Everywhere, everywhere I went in the state of Texas, I saw him. I went to A&M, went to Fort Worth. I went a few other places, and there he is. You know, next thing I know, he's, he's here for homecoming, for football. You know, every, it's like all of a sudden, you know, we didn't see Rafi for a while, and now we see him all the time. And I think in many ways, the way this thing has turned out has allowed him to kind of rejoin the fold. And really, in our mind, he was never out of it. But I think in his mind, maybe he was. And there is number six, hoisting that trophy with this beaming pride on his face. And the reporter's asking the questions, and he's like, I just got to hold the national championship trophy. It's like, it was almost a surreal moment for all of us. And I don't know what the questions were, but the Rafi kept saying, it's ours now. It's ours. And it is ours. Rafi didn't play on this team. He helped pave the way to great expectations. But Rafi is one of us. He will always be one of us. And so seeing him do that, I think in many ways, kind of closes the loop. You know, if you guys, if you, if you are Jeans Page readers, and you, you should be, whether you're a subscriber or not, you should be a subscriber, but there is a lot of free content. I interviewed Gene Morgan, and that's one of the things we talked about is kind of closing that loop and exercising, you know, the demons of Mississippi State baseball past. We've done that. We've done that. And you can see it collectively within the fan base. And listen, I'm not the guy that want to go, you know, wants to go dig up old tweets and that sort of stuff and, and um, you know, of our adversaries and people like that and talk crow. You guys feel welcome to do that. But that's just – I'm going to be above that. But, um, but, you know, there was a lot of doubters this year, even some within our own fan base. And I won't give you the player's name. But I spoke to one of our players a couple of days ago, and, and, and he said uh, – he goes, hey, Steve, I always appreciate your tweets about Mississippi State baseball. He said, you're always so positive. It's always like, you know, things are going to work out. We'll be good. And he goes, man, I get DMs all the time, you know, from people messaging me, telling me that uh, I'm not any good. I should transfer. I try to strike out on a ball in the dirt. And sometimes it gets worse than that. That's a shame. I mean, it really is. We talk so much about this as a family, and in my heart it is. But I wish everybody felt that way. You know, these are our guys. I wrote about that, too, over on Gene's page. These are our guys. They should be loved and adored and respected by all Mississippi State fans. All. I don't need to be honest with you. I don't think anybody should be deeming our players positive or negatively. I mean, you know, I mean, as, as a casual fan, you really don't have any business doing that. But if you're going to do it, my goodness, let's send something positive. Let's send something an encouragement. But there are so many people out there, we get in our feelings and we get angry when things don't go our way. And I understand it comes from a good place originally. The next thing you know, you're sending a message to a young guy that we're expecting to go out there the next game and make a play for us. And he's, he's got to worry about his DMs. And I'm not saying he does, but I, I can't imagine that it helps. They get on social media to go interact with their friends. The next thing you know, they, they're getting a message from some uh, you know middle-aged adolescent telling him he's a waste of a scholarship. 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But if you're a part of that, stop doing it. On behalf of the, of the, of the, the rest of this beautiful fan base, stop doing that. Don't harass our players. Don't harass anybody's players. But certainly not ours. I believe that every college baseball player, every student athlete, whether it be football, basketball, women's basketball, softball, whatever, they're all doing the best they can. There's there some that could work a little bit harder, sure, but it's their coach's job to tell them that, not the fans. Know your role. You really think it's going to make a difference? It might make you feel better for about five minutes. Go tell your friends, yeah, I, I DM Tanner Allen. I told him. It's what you got to do. Do you think that helps? Who does it help? Doesn't help TA. Doesn't help Mississippi State. And I saw somebody made some comment. <laughs> you know, TA had shared some things earlier, and somebody said, oh, I think that he really motivated, that, 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 that tweet really motivated him. Don't flatter yourself. Don't flatter yourself. I think it's a, an embarrassment to our fan base that the SEC Player of the Year had one of our fans reach out to him in such a negative way. He goes and tags him in a tweet and talks about going to bars, whatever, you know. And uh, I'm not going to mention the name, but you should be embarrassed today. You should be. You absolutely should be embarrassed, and everybody around you should be embarrassed, too, and you, of your actions. But the fact that it made such an impact on T.A. and that he saved there on his phone, you know, it's just one of those things I look at and I say, you know, how, how shameful is this? Not T.A.'s actions. I'm talking about the fan. It's embarrassing, man. We just won a national championship. And we find out all along that some of the people we consider family are out there harassing our family. Stop doing that. And if you hear about it, don't encourage that behavior. Don't like those tweets. Don't retweet that stuff. Don't respond to that. Don't do it. And how silly do they look today? We just won an AFL championship. And so it's like, you know, how, how can you get out here and go, you know, celebrate and go buy you a championship shirt when you were a detriment to that accomplishment? You didn't help matters. If anything, you hindered our efforts. So just leave that stuff alone. I'm asking you, please leave our, our players alone. Do not criticize our players and DM them and tell them things like that. That is just so ridiculous. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors to this show, and I will be there this weekend. Uh, tomorrow is my birthday, and I plan to have my birthday, either lunch or dinner, at Bulldog Burger Company. It's my place, man. Listen, I can go in there and I can get I can get the spring rolls. We're going to do that because that's what you do. Because I need all the help I can get to be better looking. And it's really the, the secret to this uh, beautiful face is um, is the spring rolls. And then I'm going to have the pimentology had bacon. And then I'm probably going to get a shake to go if I don't get some bread pudding. I'm going to do it big. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. The brand new one right there on Lake Harbor Drive in Ridgeland, then Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and then right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas, Bulldog Burger Company, a wonderful place to work, a wonderful place to eat, a wonderful place to go have a, an adult beverage and enjoy a ball game. Great people, great food, great prices, and incredible portions. It's a great value for your money. And there's so many things in life that it feels like you never get what you pay for. You get more than what you pay for at Bulldog Burger Company. Go by and check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. I want to take some time and talk a little bit about uh, about some players. You know, I, I don't know that we could talk enough about the College World Series or this team or the accomplishments of the year we've all had co- collectively together. But I wanted to take some time 
and kind of share with you some things, uh, you know, maybe some interactions or whatever that, um, you know, maybe you might be unaware of. And sometimes just some moments that stand out to me. It's, I mean, I've had so many messages that say, Steve, thanks for all the coverage. And I, I could hear you talk about Mississippi State baseball all the time. Well, guys, I could talk about it all the time. And it's not just because we're good at it or because we're champs. It's because of the fact that I love it. And I love college baseball. And I love that we're good at college baseball. I love that we're great at college baseball. But these players and their families matter to me. And maybe it's a little more personal for me because I, you know, I know them and I meet them and I interact with them. But many of them had a choice to go just about anywhere. And they chose to come be a part of our family. They, they chose us. And we extended a scholarship offer. We thought enough of their ability. We, we sent a scholarship to them. We recruit them. But they made a decision to come join our family. I'll forever be grateful for them, for every player that chose to do that. Come share the path with us for a little while. You know, I thought Casey Hunt was really good in Omaha. And uh, he was one of the last two pitchers to pitch. But, um, you know, really did a good job. And I'll tell you, you know, he is an electric guy in your locker room. A lot of people uh, don't realize it, but he's the guy sometimes that gets up when we do the home run celebration. You know, the boom you know, after a home run, he's the guy sometimes getting up there doing it, you know, with the with the home run. He's a pitcher. I mean, my gosh, you got a pitcher up there you know, jumping up and down to celebrate, you know, with the hitter because he's so locked into your team. This guy wants to win. He hadn't pitched a whole lot, but you know what? He made the roster at Omaha, and he went out there and did a good job for us. I really thought he pitched really well against Vanderbilt. He goes uh, two innings, allows a hit and a run and uh, a walk. But, um, you know, Maybe his best baseball is in front of him. You know, I just, I'm grateful to KC. And, uh, you know, there's so many people, too, you talk to, you know, around the program that will tell you, you know, this this is a guy that really wants to see Mississippi State be successful. He's happy, you know, with whatever role they give him. Of course, he wants to play more. He loves baseball, right? He didn't come here to be, you know, to keep score. He came here to play. But he hadn't been one of those people that's been a malcontent because of it either. Scotty DeBrule, you know, Scotty, I guess, in many ways will always kind of be special to me. I had the, the honor of interviewing him about his decision to join the Mississippi State baseball program. And it was so funny to hear how he reacted. So they had like to interview you about this, your decision, whatever. And we talked about that recently. And he goes, you know, I knew that it was a big time deal when somebody called me about interviewing me about a transfer. And, you know, and I, I laugh about that because, you know, at Gene's page, that's what we do. You know, we, we cover all these guys when they decide to be Bulldogs, men and women, right? We get really excited about it, and we want to introduce them to their new family. Scotty cherished with me. If he doesn't get drafted, he's going to go play at probably independent league baseball for a little while. He's got, uh, you know, got to get his master's degree, or I guess he's got it now. But uh, it's in the sports management, I believe, if I'm, if I'm correct there. But this is a young guy, too. You know, we needed to figure some things out in middle infield. You know, we lost Foskey and Westberg, right? And so we needed some plug-and-play guy to come in here and make some things happen for us. And it ends up being Scotty DeBrule. And he told me back in the beginning, about a year ago, he says, the reason I picked Mississippi State was I wanted a chance to go to Omaha and win a national championship. Scotty's dad, Mike, messaged me recently. I've written an article about Scotty. I love Scotty's approach to the game. He is so mentally tough. You expect that from a senior, but there's a smarminess with Scotty that I, that I just love, you know, because I think that he, 
I think he is a bit of an irritant out there. And I've heard that from the beginning, how much our pitchers didn't like him being on the bases in the fall because he's a distraction. But he's our distraction. And I heard from Mike DeBrule, and uh, we shared some interaction. I said, I said, Mike, isn't it crazy to think about this? The Scotty DeBrule can come here for one year and then be a legend forever. I mean, think about that for a second. He's here for one season, and he is on the most memorable team in our history, the team that won it all. There are a lot of people that come here and, you know, play three or four years or whatever, and they have good careers. You know, Scotty comes in basically as a glove for hire, does a great job for us. And yet it was a little bump in the road every now and again. But Scotty DeBrule was big in Omaha, huge in Omaha. What do you have, nine, ten walks, something ridiculous like that? Four RBIs in game two in the first game of our domination of Vanderbilt. I appreciate Scotty DeBrule. Rowdy Jordan, number four for People forget Rowdy Jordan was a starter immediately. Yeah, we had to get the goggles thing figured out, right? Because some, some years, remember, he started even slower because he didn't have his goggles on. And then, you know, I thought Dave Murray and I talked in pregame. I said, okay, who's going to be your offensive hero today? And I went with T.A. because I said, you know, the moment's always so big and T.A. is always uh, prepared for that. And for some reason, Dave, I just feel like Rowdy is, is going to have a good day. And he does, and he really set the tone in that, in that championship final game. He goes out there and drives the first pitch right into right field. Really got people on their feet, and I think people felt like we were prepared. You know, because Kumar Rocker is a phenomenal pitcher. But I think sometimes we kind of hype him up ourselves, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But in case you're wondering, uh, Rowdy Jordan goes three for six. Three for six in a game of his life. That's a pretty good thing to walk away from. Three for six in a... Uh, National Championship Final, and you're out there making things happen. Uh, Rowdy Jordan finishes the year with the best offensive season of his career. And, yeah, he's got a year of eligibility left, but he's not going to come back. He had 323 this year. Uh, the only year that's comparable to that was his freshman year. He hit 321. But in 68 games, he had 87 hits. That's also a career high. Scored a career high 74 runs a career-high 22 doubles, a career-high four triples, a career-high 10 home runs, second in career 45 RBIs. He had 49 back in 19. Uh, his pitches were 17 this year, which is – I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand that at all. But uh, strikeout numbers are pretty comparable throughout his career, only grounded into three double plays. But, you know, he's one of those guys, too, that, uh, you know – Everybody kind of looks to he and T.A. to figure out how to act. And I think Rowdy is a guy that sets a real good example. You know, listen, does he have a good time away from the field? Yeah, he does. But when it's time to lace him up and get going, you want Rowdy on your team. You just do. Tanner Allen, what can we say about T.A. that hadn't already been said? I mean, you're, you're ABCA National Player of the Year. It's, it's crazy to think about that. You know, it's like if, if, I, if I said, hey, guys, well, who's the most important player in Mississippi State baseball history? You know, we'd get a lot of names. Well, Will Clark, Palmero. I would submit to you that nobody has been more important to their team than Tanner Allen in the history of Mississippi State baseball. And I mean that. And it's not just one of those things where we're just kind of caught up in the moment. But this is the SEC Player of the Year the National College Baseball Player of the Year. And they just led his team to a national championship. And he was the guy 
when things were bad, he's the guy that would come and speak to the media. When we'd have a loss, there's a little policy we, we kind of adopt. In a loss, you know, we don't go get three guys and talk to three different players. This kind of dates back to the uh, John Cohen days as head coach here. When we lose, we get a captain. That's just how it works. And more times than not, it was Tanner Allen that would step up to the microphone and answer the difficult questions, speak on behalf of his teammates. He was the right guy to handle that responsibility. It is his team. He and Rowdy. But they're almost like Batman and Robin. And I think I think Rowdy's kind of happy to let T.A. take the lead there. There's never been this power struggle between the two of them. They're great friends. They're roommates. But I think we're going to look back one day. You know, Tanner Allen will be able to come back to Mississippi State at any point, get a free meal wherever he goes, and it won't be an NCAA violation then. But there's so many people, I think, that will look back at these days because it's, sometimes it's difficult to appreciate greatness in the moment. And I think time will be especially kind to Tanner Allen. I think we'll look back one day and say, you know what, man? That kid was great here. And he absolutely was. And he made everybody around him better. Cameron James, you know, I'm a big Cam James fan. And uh, I put the first wheel on that bandwagon. And uh, he had some struggles this year defensively at times. And there were times he struggled to pick up spin. Yeah, here's the deal, too. And I don't think most people appreciate this. Those of you guys that are casual fans, maybe you don't understand. When you're hitting three-hole – when you're hitting the head of the RBI producer, the cleanup guy, okay, they want to get you. They don't want to extend an inning and get to that person. So when you're hitting three-hole, you're going to see mostly breaking stuff. You're going to see a ton of off-speed stuff. You're not going to see many fastballs unless you get into an advantage count. And then nowadays, the game, you know, pitchers have become so much more you know, willing to throw change-ups on 2-0 and fastball counts. If you're sitting dead red fastball, you see something straight out of the hand, you better be able to adjust because if not, they're going to make you look a little bit silly. And people forget, too, Cameron James played in his first ever NCAA tournament this year. Cameron James went through the SEC schedule for the first time this year. Now, he is draft eligible. There's a possibility he gets drafted. I expect that he will get drafted. I don't think he'll go high enough to come out this year. But Cameron James is a potential first-round pick. He has that type of potential. I know his dad's probably listening to this saying, oh, Steve, don't say that. No, it's true. This is a guy that can really play the game. I expect him to be to take a big jump next year. He took a jump this year, but he sees SEC pitching for the first time. Well, now he's going to know what he's expecting next year. I don't know if you guys know this. We didn't make a single error in Omaha. It's funny how that works. People always say, well, you won't be playing your best baseball at the end of the year. You know what? We were. That's why we're NAFL champions today. Cam James took a huge jump defensively down the stretch, and I thought his play in Omaha was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And just to kind of, you know, lay things out here for you, you know, look at the postseason here. So we have uh, Cam James made one error the entire postseason. One. One error the entire postseason. You don't think that's significant? It absolutely is. There ain't no doubt about it. You're kind of looking here down the stretch. I got his numbers in front of me here. He made one error. Let's see. He made an error against Notre Dame in game one. And if I'm looking at this chart correctly, that was his first error, and I am looking at it correctly. That was his first error since 
my goodness here. That's, a, that's quite a stretch there, Cam. Since the first game against Texas A&M. Let that sink in for a second. He makes an error against A&M and then puts together a stretch where he goes the rest of the series and then South Carolina series, then the Missouri series, Jacksonville State, Alabama, the SEC tournament, the NCAA regional without making an error. You don't think the kid's getting better? He does. So, and then, and then to factor that on down too, take that all the way through the Super Regional and all the way through the College World Series. So Cameron James makes one error in the last two months of the season. Kid's getting better. He is. I'm a fan. I absolutely am. And not just because, uh, you know, that he's getting better defensively because I believe his long-term potential was really big time for us. Brandon Smith, you know, Brandon's a guy, too, just one year removed from Tommy John. I, I, I honestly expect him to take a bigger jump next year, too. You know, it's like – and we see this with guys, too, like when they get – when they come back from Tommy John, if they have some college eligibility left, when they get through that first year. And there's a mental aspect of that, too, right? I mean, because you work through all that stuff and – you got to learn to trust yourself again. You got to learn to trust your body. Brandon Smith had some good innings for us this year. I think he takes on a more prominent role next year. You know, maybe he becomes a closer. I don't know. Uh, set up guy for the closer because I think Landon Sims is back because he's not draft eligible. If memory serves me correctly, but I do think Brandon Smith will be a bigger part of things next year. But again, he's a guy too that's got some dog in him. He doesn't mind going in there. You know, when the bullets are flying, you got a couple guys on base and nobody out. He believes in that sinker ball, and he knows that he can get a ground ball and roll one up and get us out of there. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Uh, Drew McGowan played a lot for us early in the year. Didn't do much down the stretch. But, um, you know, Drew's a guy, too. I'm interested to see what he does. He's just a freshman, man, from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. You know, we, this guy's best baseball still ahead of him. Josh Hatcher, 
I'll always be appreciative to Josh. Number one, just for how he conducted himself. I mean, he had every opportunity to leave multiple times. He likes to hang around here, does a great job for Mississippi State, loses his starting job. He could have went in the portal then. He could have went and powered it. He could have left the team, but he didn't. He accepted a role as a defensive replacement, started a couple of rallies in Omaha, right? You don't think that's important? A guy that's, a guy that's on the bench over and over and over again when the lineup's made out, and then lo and behold, he's put out there as a pinch hitter. And he's so engaged and locked in, he can get out there and start a rally for you in two games. Made a big difference. Kellum Clark, I, I, I think he's a 15 to 20 home run guy next year. Sweet swing, big power guy. He'll spend some time in the weight room. He's only going to get bigger and stronger. Very, very intelligent young man. Going to do a great job for State. I don't, I don't know where he factors next year. Is he a first baseman? I think you got to get him on the field so you can DH somebody else. Do you work him at first? Do you put him in right? I don't know, but he's going to play every day. And, you know, I don't know if you guys know this. We've only had, like, three guys hit home runs at TD Ameritrade before this year, and I think we had five. Memory serves me correct. Five. Because you had T.A., Kellum Clark hit a couple. Um, Logan Tanner hit one. Seems like it was somebody else. I know I know that I'm – oh, Cam James hit one off lighter. You know, so – you know, it's a pitcher's park. We went out there, and it, it played pretty pretty small this year compared to what it has in recent years. But, um, you know, we went out there and put some, gave some souvenirs to some kids out there uh, because of the fact that we could swing the bats. But uh, I think Kellum Clark is a guy that's going to have a lot of home runs over his career. Davis Mesh didn't play a lot this year. I like Davis Mesh. I think he factors next year at second. Um, he is a bit of a utility guy that can kind of play around. But also, too, a great locker room guy, a great dugout guy. It's Luke Hancock says they do the little dance thing when they get a one, two, three in, and he's the leader of that brigade. And you like a guy that can kind of keep you loose. But when he's been given opportunities, he's played pretty well. Davis Rokos, another guy that's in the transfer portal. Wish him the best, too. Just this never really worked out. Uh, Riley Self, I could talk about this guy a long time. I've known him, I think, since he was 12 years old. Came to my football combines. He was a guy that committed to Mississippi State early and uh, has, has been through the wars, man. He absolutely has, and uh, had a, multiple surgeries while he was here. And, you know, when he, he pitched so well early on, you know, he was, a, if I'm not mistaken, Raleigh was an All-American after his freshman year. And a lot of people wanted him to be a starter on the weekend. We're thinking, why? But he was much more valuable in the role because you can kind of pick and choose when to use him based on the kind of the situation of the game. When the team marched into the Hilton Hotel, they let Riley Self bring a trophy in because of how important he's been to Mississippi State baseball. This is a guy when he had his injury was heartbroken because he wasn't going to be able to play because he wanted, he loved Mississippi State but he also wanted to be a guy to get out there and and, uh, and help contribute and then they, they made him a student assistant so he could remain in the dugout and plugged in and coach first and that sort of stuff so good on Chris Simonis because Riley was one of our leaders even though he didn't get to play in the second half of the year. Kate Smith is going to be a weekend guy next year. Go ahead and get ready. You guys have seen it. You saw how well he pitched in Omaha. And and that's an environment sometimes, too, that will swallow a young guy up. And it just really shows how mentally tough Cade Smith is. In order to play this game at a high level and be successful, you better be tough. Cade Smith's tough. Had Cade Smith been healthy early in the year, he may have been your third starter. Look for him to really factor in next year. Really excited about him. This is a kid that grew up a Mississippi State fan. Wants to be part of this. Wanted to be part of NAFL championship teams, and there he is. Stone Simmons transferred in, and he's just a freshman eligibility-wise. Had some big innings for us at times. Had some struggles in the postseason every once in a while. But um, 
he's another guy too that whether he's a middle relief guy or a midweek guy, he's a guy that's going to throw some big innings for State next year. Really like his game. I like the fact that he is willing to get in there and compete and throw strikes. And he does get hit every once in a while. And that's what the offseason's for, right, is to kind of sharpen those pitches and give you, you know, more sink and that sort of stuff, kind of get under some bad angles. I think Stone will be a good addition and uh, be a, a contributor if we move forward. But I like what we have coming back pitching-wise for sure. We're going to lose some guys, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, – you know, I think the emergence of Cade Smith and Stone Simmons is very helpful. Uh, Chase Patrick is a senior in the classroom, a junior on the field. Really more of a specialist, that right arm, a side arm that can go up there and roll a ground ball, ball for you. And, and he gave up a tank to Jason Gonzalez. But you know, what I love about Chase Patrick is, is, you know, he's not scared to get in there and compete. You see that a lot of times, too. You bring in relievers, and sometimes they're scared to get hit. Chase's not scared to get hit. He's like, you know what, I'm going to throw it up here, and either you're going to hit a tank or you're going to pop up or you're going to hit a ground ball to third, and we're going to get out of this inning, but I'm not going to walk you. I respect this game, and I respect the uh, I respect the hair, and I respect the Pearl Jam walkout. So uh, thank you, Chase, even though I do miss um, – I guess it was maybe Pop Evil he had before. I think that's right. But anyway – so, Logan Tanner, number 19, this guy is already a fan favorite. He's going to be an absolute star at Mississippi State. I share with you guys on Twitter, he told me the very first interview of the year, the very first player that I got to interview was LT. Saw him back in the summer, and he was all excited. He played down in Meridian there at the, uh, at the summer leagues there. And, uh, you know, we were just so happy to have baseball again, you know. But he told me in the very first interview, once the season started this year, once we kind of got going, he said, you know, listen, we want to be the last team to win. And that might not have been an original statement from him, but I appreciated the sentiment. I don't know that I'd ever heard that before. But we were the last team to win. We were the last team standing in Omaha, Nebraska. So, there, you know, he, there he was thinking about winning a national championship back in the beginning of the year. I love the fact that he hit the home run and threw up the Wolfpack sign to honor them. It's tremendous. Really, really appreciate him doing that. There were some NC State people that, that cheered for us, and I'm sure we've talked about it, but uh, there was a banner that flew over TD Ameritrade on Monday that said, Beat Bandy, the Wolf Pack. And so it's like, that, I don't know who paid for that, and I don't know what that was about, but it meant a lot to me. And so I'm sure it meant a lot to our players as well. But to be honest with you, I think at times that you know Mississippi State with the wave of support we had from our own people and then around the country, I think I think that was a bit much for Vanderbilt. They took a lot of criticism for a lot that went on, and much of it not their fault. But they're they're a difficult team to like, you know, with the scholarship situation being what it is. But LC's going to be a star. Needed him to be a double-digit home run guy this year. He was. Needed him to do it again next year. And Logan, if you're listening, I know I speak on behalf of Coach Lamontis. Don't get too heavy. Don't get too heavy. All right, so Luke Hancock, you know, a junior in the classroom, sophomore on the field. I love what Tim Corbin said about him. You know, the bat doesn't even start until he has two strikes because he is so difficult to strike out. And he is so good with the bat. His wrists are so quick. He can foul – he can spoil pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch. And I'm going to be honest with you guys – I don't know if you know the numbers here. It's ridiculous. Luke Hancock strikeout numbers. I'll look them up just for accuracy here because I know we had a couple at Omaha. But there were a handful of these strikeouts that were completely bogus. You know, it's like you go back and look at the numbers. And you're like, what? That was a strike? No, that's no, ridiculous. 
So on the season, Luke Hancock had a team best. I'm, I'm off my line here again. It's crazy how these things, these things get to be so big. So so 47 walks and just 17 strikeouts. 17 strikeouts. It is in, and then 234 bats. 17 strikeouts. And I would submit to you a half dozen of them were bad calls. I mean, the, it reminds me of the old story about uh, Joe DiMaggio. So they were playing the Red Sox, and I don't know how much this is legendary, but it's a good story either way, true or untrue. It's a great story. So the Red Sox had some pitcher. They said it was a you know, really, really you know, young but very talented guy. So DiMaggio steps in, and the kid throws the ball right down the middle, and DiMaggio didn't swing. Umpire says ball one. So, the second pitch, he throws a breaking ball, lands for a strike. Umpire calls it ball two. The pitcher walks in off the mound, and he goes, hey, Blue, what's up? Those were strikes. And he says, no, young man, Mr. DiMaggio will let you know when you throw a strike. You know, that's kind of how it is with Luke Hancock. He'll let you know when you've thrown a hittable pitch or when you've thrown a strike because he's not going to just swing at trash. It is remarkable the way that Luke has really developed as a player. And, uh, again, his best years to come. I don't think he's a draft risk this year. So, fully expect him back. And I think his better days are to come. And it's, it's funny to think about we just won an AFL championship. We're talking about better days to come. We just had the best day ever. Let's take a break in the show now and we'll do our top ten list. JohnnyPacker.com, that's your source for eyeglass wear, for sunglasses. And you go check them out today. It's already July. You got July 4th weekend coming up. You got other things. Listen, if you're like me and you spend so much time on the road, I need to protect my eyes. So I wear my sunglasses just about all the time. Number one, they look cool. But number two, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to protect myself. I spend so much time in front of a computer desk. So any, any opportunity I get to let my eyes rest is a good thing. You need to do the same. Visit them today, johnnypacker.com. Use promo code BONEYARD to save 10% off your order. And if you see a pair of frames you like and they show sold out, don't panic. Send them a contact us link, uh, the link there, the message, and they will get you taken care of. There's a lot that goes into running a website. Sometimes things don't update or doesn't wait the way it's supposed to work, so don't panic. And a portion of your purchase will be donated directly to the Cystic Vibrosis Foundation. John C. Packer is a guy that has battled CF his entire life and is actually having some quality of life and getting out doing some good things, trying to improve his quality of lung function. So he is doing his best to help others. And that's part of their, their mission there at johnnypacker.com is to help ease the suffering and improve the quality of life of those who struggle with cystic fibrosis. So visit them today, johnnypacker.com. Today's top 10 list, and, and this is a, a surprise. I was going to do something different, but I remembered one of you stopped me on the street outside of TD Ameritrade, and you said, hey, Steve, I know you won't remember, but can we do Megadeth? And so, yeah, we're going to do Megadeth. And I'm going to be honest with you, and it's going to shock a few of you. I like Megadeth a little bit more than I like Metallica. <sighs> it's true. It's true. I like, I like Metallica a lot. I'm a fan. But in many ways, I, I think the, the the guitar work with Megadeth is better. Is Metallica harder? Yes. But as a guy that just kind of loves, you know, music, 
and loves to hear something a little bit different. Megadeth is different. You know, they're not and they're not trying to be Metallica too. Even though Dave Mustaine, the singer of Megadeth, was the original guitar player in Metallica and wrote most of Kill 'Em All, the, the debut album from Metallica. So I had a guy stop because Steve, I know you won't remember. And I don't remember your name, sir, but I do remember your request for Megadeth. And since you made the trip to Omaha and he shared his story with me about how he had to move some things around and it was crazy. It was a wild tale to get to Omaha for him and his son. And so to honor that, I'm going to do your list. And that reminds me, too, this is a little bit of an aside here. On game day on Wednesday, when uh, we're getting ready to walk in the stadium, I'm a little, I'm a little bit nervous, I guess, just because I'm just thinking about Man, what happens if we don't play well? I felt really good about us winning, but there's always that little nagging doubt. You know, if you've been a Mississippi State fan long enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I saw a man and his son. His son had on his Brent Rooker jersey, and the dad had on Rafael Palmero jersey. And as I watched those two walk, I said, we're going to be okay. We, we got it. There's no way we're going to lose today. And I thought about my own dad, my own experiences and so when I hear these stories about moms and dads, uh, you know, bringing their kids and, I, and there's another one I want to tell, too. But but I get so excited because I think about you know the commitment that the parents are making to spend time with the kid doing something incredible. You go to the College World Series. And so this guy's story was wild. Had you know, all these planes got changed and flights got canceled and you know, they barely made it. And there was a problem with the hotel. And and, uh, and so to you, sir, again, I don't remember your name, but this is my gift to you is your top 10 Megadeth list. But it was one of the story I want to tell. We were celebrating the other night. It was so great. I met this Boneyard listener, Emily from Meridian, who is fabulous. She is so fun. And she had, if I remember the story correctly, they had been to Omaha. I think her and her husband and maybe a couple of friends had been to Omaha earlier in the tournament. But when State made the finals, she said, Steve, there was no way I was going to miss the natty. And so she came with her husband's best friend. And they came together. I got to meet them both. And, um, you know, we we had a good time. But it's like, I thought about, this this just shows you how special this moment is. That here's this wife, her husband can't get off work. And she's like, I'm I'm going. You know, so it's like, then, then the buddy's like, hey, I'm going too, you know. And it's incredible to think about we do things we wouldn't normally do because of Mississippi State, right? It's like we knew the historic nature of this moment. It's like whatever I got to do, whether you can go or not, I'm going to go. So, Emily, you are true maroon. I appreciate you coming up and saying hello to me. And uh, we celebrated long into the night as a family. Emily and her her friend weren't with me the whole time. But uh, it's one of those things that I'll look back and – your stories are things that are very interesting to me. And that was one that just, it just blew me away. I was just thinking, you know, this, who this wife is just thinking, you know what, I'm leaving everything behind and I'm going to go watch Mississippi State win an NFL championship. And so again, Emily, you are true maroon and thanks for being a Boneyard listener. So here's the top 10 Megadeth tracks. I got a couple of honorable mentions today because I had some trouble putting the list together. And there, honestly, I could make a case for all three of these for sure, but it's Wake Up Dead. It's Tornado of Souls and Skin of My Teeth. Skin of My Teeth is probably number 11, to be honest with you. I, I really, 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 really struggled with that one. I love that opening riff. So number 10, In My Darkest Hour, and this is one of those songs that builds and builds and builds. It's it's, it's very gothic in its origins, and uh, 
It almost reminds me a little bit of uh, of William Faulkner, you know, a little bit, you know, the the way the you know as I lay dying and all that sort of stuff. But um, this is one of those things too that Dave wrote. Dave is in recovery. Dave Mustaine from Megadeth is in recovery, and this is one of those things that he had kind of written when he was in this despair of depression. Number nine, a relatively new song from Megadeth. They have really released some great music here the last few years, but it's Dystopia. Dystopia is great. Title track off that album. It's, it's a wild ride, too. And I want to make sure you guys understand, many of you guys, maybe you're casual fans of uh, rock music and maybe you don't know Megadeth, but uh, this is not for the faint at heart. I mean, these guys really get after it. I mean, there, it's a lot. there's a lot of layering, I guess is the right word, when it comes to the, this music. I mean, it is just a symphony of sound. It is a much different deal. And I, and I think even people that maybe don't know Megadeth, when you, I don't think it's so over-the-top heavy that you can't enjoy it if you're not a thrash fan. But the speed and, and talent that they have is incredible. Number eight, speaking of speed, it's Hangar 18. I know some of you guys would have that much higher. And again, there's so many great Megadeth songs. I mean, I, you, know, you could make a case, arguably, that there's probably seven or eight the best Megadeth songs. Hangar 18 is another one that just absolutely blazes. Number seven, this goes back to, if I'm not mistaken, this is on the last Action Hero soundtrack. I think that's correct. But it's Angry Again. And I love Dave's vocal on this one. I love that 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 album, that last, that last Action Hero was a good movie, but the soundtrack was fabulous. So if you can find that somewhere, the last Action Hero movie soundtrack, You'll be glad you got it. There's a lot of names you know on there that did some songs that were kind of unavailable anywhere else. But Angry, again, I think is the high point on that record. I really do. I think it is. There are some other really good ones on there, but I think that is the best track on that soundtrack. Number six, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce this incorrect, but it's uh, Atout Lamont. It's the French-speaking people that are responsible for that. And I'm from South Mississippi, so I don't always have the best dialect when it comes to international language. So forgive me. I love this one. This is a beautiful song in many respects. There Again, we're on a wild ride here. And that's kind of when, when you sign up for Megadeth, you, listen, you're not going to get every rose has its thorn. That's not what we're looking for. With a name like Megadeth, we're not going to be, you know, we're not playing more than words can say, you know, by alias or, any of that extreme stuff. And I love those bands too, but you kind of know what you're bargaining for with Dave Mustaine and it's not going to be anything really sappy and and uh, and cute. You're not going to reach over and you know, put your hand on your wife's leg or anything. Or maybe you do that, but it won't be because Dave Megadeth influenced you to do so. Number five, and I jammed this last night on the way home from Omaha. Got home about 2.15 and uh, Dave and the boys kind of led me in. But it's... Holy Wars, the punishment due. This is this is a longer song. It is worth every second of your investment. It is an incredible rock song, and I don't know that people talk about this song enough. I mean, when I, you know, I don't know how, how often you guys get around cocktail parties and talk Megadeth, but maybe you should. But you need to encourage people to listen to Holy Wars, the punishment due. It is an absolute masterpiece. I love that song. I love the vocal on it, but the guitar on that thing is just incredible. Okay, so now we're getting down. So, we're, you know, the thing about Megadeth, too, is they have some super fans, too, that, like, get deeper into the B-sides. And I'm like, oh, Stevie, you missed this one. You know what? And you, you're, you're probably right. 
But these are my favorite songs, and it's my show. So you can start your own show, build a following, and have your own list. But uh, this is my list. Your list would be wrong, of course. But number four on my list, the video for this, when it, this was on in the uh, – back when MTV played music – this video was haunting. I mean, it's one of those, you look at it and not in the way that, that you would expect. I mean, it's not like a, a, you know, a song gets a cult or anything. I love the production on this album. I love the way they mic the drums on this track. I think the percussion is really, really strong, but it's foreclosure of a dream. And it's about the federal government. And there's a lot of, you know, angst in there about, uh, you know, really about farming families and about uh, George Bush and, you know, uh, the original George Herbert Walker Bush, but um, Foreclosure of a Dream kind of came out in a difficult time. And to be honest with you, there was this wave of malcontent in our country, especially among young people, that you know, the status quo just wasn't getting us anywhere. And there were a lot of people out there that had these sad stories in federal government, in many respects, unforgiving about many things. And this song, to me, was a, kind of a central point in that negativity, and I say negativity, maybe it's maybe unrest is the word to use. But foreclosure of a dream, you should check it out. It is um, there. There have been times in my life that was my favorite Megadeth song. Kind of depends on my mood. Number three, again, a wild ride is a video, but it's sweating bullets. Hello, me. It's me again. Love that track, and I love uh, Dave's delivery on the vocal because it's it's almost comedic in many respects. But the video is insane. It's like seven or eight versions of uh, of Dave Mustaine, you know, going from one scene to another and about him basically being schizophrenic. But um, Sweating Bullets, an absolute classic in this genre. Number two, for me, the song that started it all. And I remember they used to play this. The, uh, the opening bars of this was on the MTV News Report back when MTV played music. And, you know, that's the thing, too, uh, for us Gen Xers, is the more we talk about MTV playing music, we begin to date ourselves. Because it's a generation of, of, of young people today that don't know MTV outside of um, the Jersey Shore and uh, ridiculousness. They don't know that, M, that the M in MTV stands for music, for music television. It used to be music and then like 24 hours of uh, hair care commercials. That's what it was. But we loved it. But it's peace sells, and again, this is you know a, a political song in many respects. You know, the, of course, the the rest of that chorus is peace sells, but who's buying? And I remember in the video, the dad comes in there and he's watching TV, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing? Turn this trash off. I want to watch the news." And the kid turns it back and looks at dad. This is the news, and that's kind of how we felt. You know, uh, the you know, what do you think? I'm broke. I, you know, I go to court when I have to. I mean, there's just so many one. There's so many lyrics and in peace cells that really kind of spoke for a lot of us, at least in my generation and in my circle of friends. I, I thought peace cells was a perfect t- song for the time, but number one for me, and it's not close. I mean, really it's, it's really not as much as I love peace cells, the number one off the classic album countdown to extinction. It is the symphony of destruction. The, I get chills just even saying the name, the band I was in, post-recovery or post-rehab, we used to cover this song. And I still can remember, you know, being in that little, uh, you know, rehearsal hall that was basically a storage unit and just the hair on the back of my neck standing up because of, you know, how powerful the song is. But Symphony of Destruction, 
they 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 do some symphonic stuff in the intro and the next thing you know they just come out there and just lay that open riff down it is a phenomenal song it is one of those things too like if you ever wanted to pick a song like everybody has their signature song this is the one for megadeth and some of you are saying well steve i don't know if i want to listen to a band like megadeth well, let me take a listen to this one go listen to this one might change your opinion if you're just a casual rock fan too do you say well you know see i just kind of like what's on the radio Listen, you owe it to yourself to give Megadeth a chance. They are a legendary band. And when they talk about you know, the big four, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, they're all great. But if I had to pick between those four, I'm picking Megadeth. And it is a little close over Metallica. It is. Because I do like the, the, uh, the grit of Metallica. They're different than Megadeth. They're just a different band. But they're kind of looped in the same genre and they're tied together because Dave Mustaine, of course, at one point was in Metallica. But you know, they're, to me, they're one and two. But I do like Megadeth a little bit more. So there you go, sir. Again, thanks for bringing your son to Omaha. It's wonderful you did that. And yeah, I know you thought I wouldn't remember, but I did remember. I filed it away. I didn't even text Roy. I just remembered. So there you go. Your Maroon Friday top ten list, Megadeth. All right, let's get to uh, some more of our player stuff. This segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Your your shop right now for your College World Series shirts is Campus Bookmart. You've been looking for them. You're like, hey, Steve, where do I get them? Very easy, Campus Bookmart. You can get whatever you need. Go to campusbookmart.net, and you can order online today, and we'll save you a little cash since you listen to the show, right? Promo code Boneyard. Excuse me, that's the wrong one. Promo code BSR. What am I doing? Where have I been? I'm off my game. BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And everybody in the family needs a national championship shirt. You need one. Your spouse needs one. Your significant other needs one. Your kids need one. Your parents need one. The dog needs one. Uh, We are going to be incredibly obnoxious about this College World Series thing for a long, long time. So wear that shirt with pride. And when other, when like fans of other schools want to say something, don't even look at them. Just kind of brush right by them. Just point to the shirt. That's all you got to say. All you got to do is just, you know, maybe grab your collar and just pop it. That's it. There's no response. There's nothing anybody can say. And so you need to be outfitted for that moment. Again, go to campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR, and order your College World Series shirt today. If you're in town, go by and get them. We're going to be selling those for a while, I'm sure. But you need to get them today. Everybody needs that. Everybody wants that in their lives. Everybody wants some. Everybody needs some. Campusbookmart.net. All right, so let's get back to our list here. I'm about to go to get something to eat here soon. All right, so Landon Sims, it's just a good way to start this segment. Landon Sims, you know, he kind of has that 80s feathered back uh, look. You know what I'm talking about? Like the hair, the haircut's a little different. I kind of dig it. I'm not going to join him by any stretch. I'm happy doing my, my way. But, you know, he's got that beard, which he shouldn't have at such a young age. And I don't mean that he shouldn't grow it. This, this shouldn't be that thick. It's ridiculous. I'm a little bit jealous. Um, but Landon is the truth, man. Like, when you talk to him, like, away from the field, he's just like one of us. I mean, he's just a regular dude. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't walk around with a scowl on his face and stuff. But when he gets on the field, man, it's it's almost like a machine. I mean, it's like he turns into something that, that doesn't really match his off-the-field persona, which I think makes it even greater. You know, there's some of us that walk around so intense, like we're always looking for a fight, something to kind of get involved in. 
Landon just really seems to be so easy going off the field. I mean, you guys have seen some of those videos. I mean, like he's real silly and stuff, but he can flip the switch when the game is on. And you remember uh, that we, we had an Arkansas fan come into jeanspage.com cha- uh, chat room one night, and, and he didn't have his numbers right between Cobbs and Sims. Listen, I haven't, I'm, what I'm about to say is in no way disrespectful to Kevin Cobbs, who was an absolute monster this year. Really, really proud for the year that he had. It's unfortunate they didn't make it to Omaha, but they didn't. We've been in that situation before, too. We've had some great teams that make Omaha, so nobody's crying for Arkansas. But I do think Kevin Cobbs is legit. But they said, hey, well, you know, who would you take in Omaha? Who would you take? I saw I take Lennon Sims because I think his arm is going to be fresher. Now, to give Kevin Cobbs credit, he showed some incredible stamina over the year. But in the end of the day, the day uh, Lennon Sims made it to Omaha. Kevin Cobbs did not. So my pick was correct because my pick was the only one standing between the two. Landon Sims has been so incredibly filthy. And I, I think one of the things, too, that about the way we kind of handled the substitution, and I know we don't do anything for the crowd or anything like that. I, I get it. But how great would it have been Will Bednar to get one batter in the seventh, and then he gets a standing ovation, and then all of a sudden 24,000 maroon maniacs going crazy with Landon Sims trots in from the bullpen? That would have been a spectacular moment. Of course, you just got to manage the game. You can't do anything just for theater. But uh, I, that's the only thing I wish that I would change about that. Well, that and the one hit. I'd love to have been able to no-hit Vanderbilt and have to live with that forever. When one hit's tough, but no hit in an AFL championship game, that may never happen again. You know, it's a cool thing. But Landon uh, is a, just a phenomenal person. And, and maybe an even better closer. I mean, he is a guy that is just so dominant on the hill. We we all know it's like the whole tweet, you know, when when by the time you see this, the game's over. Well, Bednar, what can I say, man? The best postseason pitcher in Mississippi State baseball history. How can you argue against it? When the game was on the line, the season was on the line, the title was on the line, we turned to Will Bednar sophomore in the classroom, freshman on the field. But listen, he's draft eligible, and he is going to command a very, 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 very high pick. So here's the deal with Bednar, too. Here's what he's done in the postseason. Went over Samford, went over Notre Dame, Pitched in two wins over Texas. Uh, he gets one. Landon Sims gets one. And then gets the win. A no, six hits, no hit. Six innings, no hit performance against Vanderbilt. So he's had five starts in the postseason, and we won them all. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. You look at his, his last starts, too. You can go all the way back to the uh, Jack Leiter showdown in Nashville. This is just how dominant he's been. It's like and sometimes we get so close to it, we, we don't look at it the right way. So let's go back to April 24th. He beats Vanderbilt, Texas A&M. We get a win there. South Carolina. We do get the loss at Missouri. That was his worst outing of the year. I guess the Ole Miss was the worst one. Then we beat Alabama, and then we rolled through the postseason. So five starts, five wins. And he didn't go long in an Notre Dame game, but we did manage to win the game. He didn't get the win there. But when you go get three starts in Omaha – including the NFL title game, and you win it, that's legendary status. It's crazy. Makes you wonder what could have been if we uh, didn't cancel 2020, you know. But, uh, you know, we, we, there's some guys who wouldn't head back either, so I guess it all works out. Uh, Kyle Donald didn't play a lot this year. I like his game a lot. 
it's, he's a doubles machine. I think that he will compete next year. You know, we'll see what happens in the outfield. You know, where, where does Braylon Skinner factor in? Where does Kyle McDonald? Uh, you know, Kite's a guy that uh, is a good defender, but he's even better at the plate. We need some offensive production, so you know, I look for him to be a big part of things. Kind of moving forward, and I guess uh, that's, uh, there's a couple guys too we talked about already to transfer, and I know the Jackson Foresters headed to uh, Lipscomb, I think. And then I think Case Garner's going to Southern Miss. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's right. But I think Kite's going to be a guy you look forward. Now, we, we might as well get ready, too, though. Uh, Kite is only 5'10". So you know what that means, right? That means he's probably going to be the SEC Player of the Year, right? You know, if, if you don't know the joke, um, you know, as people are talking about how small Mississippi State's lineup is, which is completely false. But uh, we just won a NAFL championship. And so a lot of our, our fans begin to kind of troll the author of that line of thinking about how small we were. We just kept winning. Just imagine what we had done. We might have gone undefeated this year if we were a big team. And, and here's the thing, too, I don't think people fully appreciate either, is uh, bigger guys have bigger strike zones and more times than not have more holes in their swing. Just food for thought. So uh, Xavier Lovett is in the portal and I hate that, too, because I really like Xavier Lovett, and I, and I loved him coming out the DMX. His ex is going to give it to you. But um, he's already, I think, up in uh, in the Cape now pitching, and uh, not sure where he's headed, but we wish him the best. Jackson Fristo had a chance to talk to him, uh, you know, at Omaha, just kind of briefly. You know, I don't think people realize how tall he is. He's 6'4", 205. This is a guy, too, that pitched probably before he was ready because we had to have him. He gave us the best he could and just kind of hit the wall. But – Again, I think he's a factor on a weekend next year. Really like his potential. Uh, Christian McLeod, a uh, huge, huge fan of Christian McLeod. He is a junior in the classroom, a freshman on the field. Uh, didn't have a good postseason, as good as Will was. You know, Christian's was kind of shaky, but uh, did have a good start against VCU. But, as, again, as I said on the last show, we don't get to Omaha without Christian. We, we don't. And people forget how good he was in 2020. But we didn't play any conference games. And so, you know, we might have been having the same discussion last year. And see, that's the thing, too, about development. You need guys to be tested. You know, there are some guys that can get by on natural ability alone. But you need guys to test you so you can make adjustments. You can find out where you're deficient. And when you've got talented coaches and and teams that attack attack you, you find out what your deficiencies are, then you can short those things up. Yeah, if Christian returns, which I don't expect, I think he's going to go pretty early, especially being a left-hander. Um, yeah, he, this is a guy that's got a lot of baseball in his future. But I, I'm a Christian McLeod fan and uh, wish him the absolute best. Carlisle Kessler is a senior. Uh, seems like that uh, he has played college baseball. People were joking the other day. It said, uh, you know, he's been in here since Dak's been here. But um, you know, Carlisle is a guy that's got a masterful change, and uh, I'm glad that he got the opportunity to come be a part of all this and um, represent his home state. You know, he's a guy from Vicksburg, Mississippi, that spent some time at Southeastern down there. He was a really good pitcher for them. Uh, Tanner Leggett is a name that will live in infamy. A guy that was basically a utility guy, a glue guy for us on the infield, played at short, played at second, played at thirds, played some in the outfield in previous years. And... Um, He's a senior in the classroom and a junior on the field, so he could come back and compete. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, he gets one of the biggest hits in Mississippi State baseball history in the big walk-off. It's crazy, man. Baseball is a funny game. You always think it's going to be, you know, Dale Murphy getting a big hit. Sometimes it's Rafael Ramirez. You old school 80s fans know that one, Braves fans. 
But Tanner Leggett, that'll be the name that we'll always remember. We can always play that video on the board. Uh, Parker Stanap, a guy I think his best baseball's ahead of him too. A junior in the classroom, sophomore on the field. You know he has that hammer curve. Great setup guy. And he could be a guy too that I think could close some games out for you in the midweek. Eager to see what they do with him next year. But his stuff is electric, man. When he's on his game, he's almost impossible to hit. Brad Cumbust, uh, Brad a little bit banged up. You know, it's it's ironic that we talk about him getting hit by pitch and, it, you know, he takes a lot out of him. And then this time he, he has to miss a game and wearing a brace on his uh, on his wrist after the ball game. But Brad, uh, 6'5", 250, you know, he's a guy, too, that could benefit from some summer baseball. But uh, we'll see what happens in football. I really think he's going to play this year and then make a decision next year. But uh, I think Brad's probably going to draft it in baseball next year. I really do. I like Brad a lot. He is uh, – a very talented young man, real down to earth, kind of, you know, shares our same value system. Preston Johnson, speaking of country boys, got a chance to know his dad a little bit this year. And, uh, you know, Preston is the real deal. Like, he he's, he is the hunting and fishing, uh, get up and go to church on Sunday kid. That, that's who he is. And really played a huge role in Mississippi State winning an Apple championship. I mean, you guys know it. He eats up those innings in that second game that saved Landon Sims and others for, for game three. You know, Preston Johnson, former starter. Could he be a starter next year? I don't know. You know, maybe you need him in the bullpen, but it's good to have those options. I don't think he gets drafted this year. He is a junior in the classroom, a sophomore on the field. But uh, 6'3", 245, big guy, big-bodied guy that could do a lot of things for you up on the mound. Braylon Skinner, again, a senior in the classroom, sophomore on the field. He's got time left. You know, this year, he began the year, he was hurt. So it's taken a while to get going. There's some plays he made in Omaha. I don't know that Cumbus could have made, and I don't I'm not send it as a slide to Brad. But, you know, Braylon is an electric runner. Cumbus is really fast, too, but uh, Braylon's a little more quick twitch. Mikey Tepper, I think he's going to be a factor on the weekends next year. And I skipped Aaron, Eric Tarantola, excuse me. Sarantola, wish him the best. He's in the portal. I don't think it's going to matter. I expect him to get drafted. And another, a great young man, too. It just didn't work out the way we had hoped, us or him. But I had somebody tell me the other day, like, that, uh, you know, the average spin rate on a fastball in MLB is 2,300. A good spin rate is 2,600. Eric Sarantola's is 3,300. It's ridiculous. And so Eric will get into the minors and develop and um, looking forward to seeing what he does and appreciate him sharing a path with us for a while. I do think Mikey Tepper is going to be a big-time player for Mississippi State. He has electric stuff. Uh, pitched a little bit for us this year. He's kind of getting his feet wet. He will be a guy, too, that I think will compete on the weekends. We'll see how things progress. But uh, this is a guy, too, electric stuff. Probably get him because we had the reduction in the draft last year. Lane Forsyth, and uh, who knew he'd be the hottest hitter in the country down the stretch, right? <laughs> In Omaha, it's crazy. It's like all of a sudden he finds it, and you want him to be able to keep playing. Absolutely flawless defense down the stretch. Yeah, and let's be honest, Lane Forsythe's not even supposed to be playing. He wasn't even supposed to play much this year. And then he ends up being the starter and making the all-college World Series team at short. And there were some dudes in that College World Series at short. And Lane gets hot late, drives in a couple runs, gets a few, few hits. It's like he turns the whole thing around. Happy to see that. Uh, pitch recognition is kind of a moving target for him, but that's that, the only thing that can fix that is A-Bs and film, right? You get a chance to see it for yourself because 
a lot of times they throw that two seamer away, and next thing you know, it it breaks across the plate, and then you're out. But uh, Lane's best baseball is ahead of him. Two years from now, everybody in the country is going to be talking about Lane Forsythe. I, I would just about just about guarantee you that. So a few other guys that we mentioned, I, I told you, um, let's see, Cam Tuller is a left-handed specialist, that uh, matchup guy for us out of Brighton, Michigan, made the Omaha roster. Had you had a tough time uh, against uh, Vanderbilt, I guess it was. But, um, you know, th- this is, again, his first time to see competition at this level. When he's on, he's really, really good. Really, really good. And so that could be a guy that just basically is your, your matchup guy at the pin. Uh, Houston Harding, what a remarkable story. I mean, absolutely remarkable story. Uh, Houston Harding, zero offers at a high school, zero. Zero offers at a high school. Goes into a tryout at Inawama Community College that was kind of set up at a chance meeting. And what does he do? He makes a team, becomes the all-time strikeout single season and career record holder at ICC. He comes to Mississippi State, kind of buys his time, does a little middle relief and midweek work, and the next thing you know, he's starting the game in a super regional to send Mississippi State to Omaha, and then starting the game to get Mississippi State to a winner-take-all game three in the College World Series. And today he's a, he's a World Series champion. Where would we be today without Houston Harding? I mean, think about that for a second. Everybody contributes, but you know what? We had trouble finding that third starter, and he was the guy that when we did struggle with you know with with the, with the opening, he was the guy that kind of got us out of the fire a little bit. We finally give him the deal, and um, he does great, and a great young man too. Met both of his parents out in Omaha, and uh, had a chance to talk to him a little bit. Uh, we were out there, but man, he is he is a great young man that uh, loves Mississippi State. So people are wondering, you know, what's he going to do next year? You know, he is a senior in the classroom, but he has one year of eligibility left. And so it's going to boil down to the draft. You know, is will he be drafted? You know, I think it, he probably – if he gets drafted, I think he probably goes. I'm, because I think he kind of is what he is. I don't, I don't think he loses the leverage. I don't think he's going to play his way into the earlier rounds. But I think he has a real chance to make a squad someday because he has a unique skill with that changeup, being able to land that thing on any count. If he doesn't get drafted, he'll be back in Mississippi State next year and back on the weekend. And so everybody wants to know, Steve, who's coming back. It's too early to tell. No, the only thing we know for sure, the only thing we know for sure is that Carlisle Kessler, Spencer Price, Scotty DeBrule, and Riley Self are out of eligibility. That's all we know for sure. Now we expect T.A. and Rowdy, Christian, Will Bednar, and those guys uh, to be drafted high enough to be able to go. And there are some other ones we'll see. So we'll track that over on Gene's page as we kind of move forward here in the next couple of weeks. And so um, I'm excited about it. You guys are as well. We're going to return a strong nucleus of players next year, and we're going to have some other arms coming in. Jay Powell tells me he's really impressed with the level of arms that we have coming in. So there will be other guys. You know, it's like, oh, we think, oh, my gosh, we're losing this guy. You know, did you guys expect Landon Sims to be this guy this year? I don't know if you remember his very first start. All he did was walk bass and throw wild pitches, his first appearance. And then he kind of pieced some things together late. But, you know, a lot of people this year thought Spencer Price was going to be the closer, and then Landon Sims, one of the most dominant closers in the game. So be excited about that. 
be excited about our future. But you know what? We got plenty of time to think about that. Right now, let's just relish in the fact that we are the national champions of college baseball for the first time in program history. Let's jump on the Portico train before we get out of here. We'll have a recruiting update after that. That's going to be kind of the focus here pretty soon. Uh, we'll be recruiting, uh, you know, for me. we got some camps coming up this month, and I'm excited about that. Uh, Paul Jones done a great job for us kind of keeping up with that. It was a, a bit of a surprise over the weekend. We'll get to that shortly. But uh, this segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Brand-new residential development right here in Starkville. It, many of you have said, you know, one day I want to move to Starkville. I do, but I don't know where to go. Well, it's easy. You go to Portico. Very, very simple. 51 houses in the development total. And phase one has been complete. There's, I think there's two houses left in phase one. But act today, you can get one of those two. Uh, phase two construction about to get underway. They've been moving dirt, kind of getting prepared for all that. Uh, houses going to range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, two bedroom, two bath, up to four bedroom, four bath. There's a walking trail. It's just over a mile from campus. So I've shared before, you turn off of 82, like going towards campus on 12, it's the very first turn. It's the very first right turn off of 12, you get on Pat Station Road there and you cross over Old West Point Road and then you're at Portico. It's right there on Garrett Road. That sounds kind of complicated. It's not. You take the first right off of 12, that takes you to your new house. Call Brooks Bryan for more information. Brooks is a guy, is a friend of mine. He's your friend. I uh, really like Brooks a lot. I'm really, really happy for Brooks and all of our Diamond Dogs in the past that um, they can share in this championship with all of us. It means as much to them, if not more, than the rest of us. And uh, I'm so grateful. Brooks is a guy that went to Omaha twice and came home empty-handed, but he shares in this too, just like Rafi does. So Brooks' phone number is 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. So Xavier Harris from Germantown commits to Ole Miss, and it was a surprise, I'll be honest with you. And I haven't talked to anybody in a couple weeks about a lot of recruiting stuff. Uh, so something may have changed or developed here in the last couple of weeks. But listen, this is a big win for Ole Miss. Now, I don't think it's over by any stretch. But, yeah, this is the first real big surprise of the in-state class uh, for 2022. So we'll see what happens. I think there's a lot of strength on the defensive line in this class within the home state. But, yeah, this is one that kind of comes out of left field a little bit. So you tip your cap to Ole Miss um, and you keep recruiting them. You know, John Lewis is here. Now, I've seen John on campus. Looks great. That's going to be a factor. I know there are a lot of people down there. Ole Miss people were really upset when we got John Lewis thinking that was going to kind of open the floodgates down there uh, and kind of allow us to establish a pipeline. So this is, listen, good job by them for getting it done. It's not sure at this point that uh, it's over by any stretch, but when is it ever over in Mississippi, right? I mean, that's just kind of how life works. That's life and times in the Magnolia State. So there are a lot more commitments left to go. I don't know what state has on the cooker right now. You know, I think we'll, I think we'll get in. We've had this one wave of camps. We pick up some commitments. Now we'll have another one. We'll see. And then I think we kind of prioritize things, kind of close out what we can between now and the beginning of the season. And that's the great thing about college baseball season being elongated. It's here we are in July. Before you know it, we're going to be covering fall football camp, right? I mean, we're going to be getting ready to play and prepare to go play in a football game. Guys, it's two months from now. So you got to get all your honeydew stuff done now, like in the next six weeks. You got to go get it done. All those things you've been putting off because you're you're like, hey babe, I'll do it after Omaha. So right now you're kind of riding that wave of euphoria. She's not saying much because you know she's happy too, and you know we're thinking about getting our shirts at Campus Book Mart, and 
bringing the kids to Bulldog Burger Company to celebrate, you know, that's only going to last for so long. And so you're going to have to get to work. All those things you've been putting off, you got to get that stuff done because you don't want that hanging over your head when it's time to watch college football. And also, many of you are going to be on campus being excited about that. And, uh, you know, I kind of have this uh, feeling, and maybe it's tacky for me to feel this way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyway. And it, you can wear what you want to wear, but I believe that when you go to Mississippi State baseball games that you wear – a Mississippi State baseball shirt. Whether you wear a jersey, or, you, or maybe you've got the generic just Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I wouldn't wear a Mississippi State basketball shirt. I wouldn't wear a football jersey to the baseball game. That's just me. It's my opinion. You do you. But I think we could probably make an exception as football season if you wanted to wear your national championship baseball shirt. I, I think you should be able to wear that to church, to work, wherever you want. And there are many of you that reached out to me and said, hey, Steve, listen, if we win the Natty in baseball, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a tattoo. I'm going to get a tattoo of uh, the championship season, whatever. And so there are a few people that ran their mouth to me about this, but I, I still plan to hold you accountable. There are some people that work in media relations, and everybody said, hey, let's all get matching tattoos if we win. And I guess they thought I was joking. I said, sure, let's do it. We'll get a design we all approve of. And so – that now they're dodging me. Like, like I haven't got that congratulatory text from them or like, hey, let's get the tattoo. I hadn't heard from them. So I'm going to be contacting them and saying, hey, let's uh, put this together here and we're all going to go get the tattoo because this is something that, that will last forever. So be looking for that here in the, uh, the days to come. I want to thank you guys, too, for those of you that have made Blooms of Oleander a Mississippi bestseller. It is on the bestsellers list again. I've had many of you that have reached out and said, you know what, Steve? I never expected this from you. Very surprised. I'm a riddle wrapped inside of an enigma down in the bottom of a Cracker Jack box. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. You know, I got a, there's a lot to me, a lot to unpack. Kind of a complicated guy, I guess. But uh, I, I really appreciate everybody that shared that. And uh, please go buy the book. You can find it at Amazon. That's Blooms of Oleander at Amazon.com, Books a Million, at Barnes & Noble, or at great bookstores around the country. They can order it for you. And then uh, if you want personalized copies, you got to go through Bookmartin Cafe. Now, for those of you that have done that, and I understand the list is lengthy, when I get done posting this show, I'm headed down there. i got to go get my check, and then I'm going to go deposit that, and then uh, – I done a Book Martin Cafe. And so if you have ordered a personalized copy from them while I have been in Omaha, I'm going to go personalize all those books today and they will ship them out. And so if you if you have not done that and you want that, then you need to call them because now that I'm back in town, I'll be down there a couple days a week signing books for them. And so I also have a book signing coming up uh, Thursday, July 15th, Thursday, July 15th at Turn Row Books in Greenwood, Mississippi. That'll be five to seven. So when you get off work, come by and say hello. Uh, they're going to have the new book there too. So if you need to get caught up, and there, it's, it's amazing to me, there are some people that at some other day say, Steve, I guess you got an idea for book number three. Well, no, it's book number five, actually. Thank you very much. So Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, Blooms of Oleander will soon have a new sibling. And even though I just put Bloomsville Leander out this year, I'm going to work really hard to get another book out later this year. The writing process for that begins next week. I'll have a planning meeting uh, on Monday or Tuesday. I, we haven't finalized that, but we're going to get together and we're going to start the outline 
And we're going to, I'm going to write a new book this summer in early fall. We hope to have it out in time for Christmas, chronicling Mississippi State's national championship season. And you, as you should know, I've been making notes and kind of keeping on my interviews all season long, just in case. And so that'll kind of give me, you know, a lead into all this. And I got to go sit down with Ron Polk and John Cohen and, and Chris Simonis and get some interviews with them in person. And um, so that's going to be a big part of my summer is working on that book and kind of getting that thing out of there, just kind of chronicling Mississippi State's first ever college baseball championship. And so now it's in the books. And so I'm going to write a book about it. And so don't have the name yet. We're still toying with all that. And as soon as we get to a point where you can pre-order, because as soon as I sit on Twitter, I'm going to write this book. Uh, people were like, where can I pre-order? Nobody can pre-order yet. Once it ships to the printer, then uh, they'll set up a pre-order website. So if you have an idea for the title, send it to me. I'll consider it. And if, if we agree, I'll give you a free book. All right. So that's how that'll work. So if I'm going to think about it, I'll pick the title, but you may have a better idea than me. I think I'm really good at picking titles, but uh, you may know something better. But since this is kind of our book, I want you guys to be involved too. One of the things that I have decided, and I haven't even told uh, my publisher that I want to do this, I want to have at least one section where I, you guys are represented. And I can't do everybody, okay? I can't do everybody. But if you have a great story about Mississippi State baseball, what I mean by that is like a family story. And, and, I don't, and listen, I don't need a Shakespearean sonnet, okay? I know some of you guys get diarrhea of the keyboard and – yeah, I don't need all the details, but if there was something special about us winning the College World Series, you know, maybe you had a, a moment with your grandparents, your grandmother, or maybe like for me, I was thinking about my dad a lot. If any of that happened to you, I want you to email me. My email address is srobertson at jeanspage.com. So you send me your stories and I will use some of the best ones in the new book because I want you to be part of this. This is our team. It's our program. It's our championship. It's our family. And so, again, if you had a special moment, and please don't be upset with me if I don't use your story, because there's going to be some that are going to be rather generic, you know, and so, but I'm going to use some of those too, but I'm not going to use them all. So if you want to be involved, uh, send it to me. I need, I'm going to need your real name. Okay. Don't send me your Twitter handle. I'm going to need your real name and then your city where you live. I don't need your address. But I will use the best ones because this is our book. And uh, even though we'll have my name on the cover, I want you guys to be a part of that. So, But in the meantime, go buy the other books. Go buy Blooms of Oleander. And I told you guys when I started writing books, I'm going to start stacking these things up. And I got a couple other things that, um, you know, on the fire, on the, <laughs> in the burner too. But uh, it's just one of those things that happens, you know, when you start working and you get excited about stuff and you get passionate about it. You're always looking for the next big thing. I'm never bored. I can, I can assure you that I'm absolutely never bored. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thank, again, thank you guys for your support of the Boneyard and of me. Low these many years, and I apologize for being later than I planned to be, but we'll be back on our regular schedule uh, next week. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.